Welcome to Thirst for Knowledge, episode 17, Haters Gonna Hate. Uh, my name is Steve Hendrickson, and I'm joined with uh, joined by Lawrence Harmon. Lawrence, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you doing? Really good. Kind of bogged down with December and ready for it to be over. Yeah, I, I kind of feel you on that. I've been busy just kind of relaxing and you know, working and, you know. You know how it is. Yeah, I'm shipping lots of presents to people that probably don't deserve it, so it's great. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's the eternal holiday struggle, right? Yes. Well, it's just like, it's the time of year where we pretend that we uh, like each other and give each other things that we won't really want, but we kind of, it's like a one-up, one-up thing, I think, for me personally. I see a lot of nonsense get shipped, and I'm like, wow. And Instant Pots. What is up with Instant Pots? They came out last year, saw them shipped, and this year they're worse. And it's like a crock pot that makes food moist. And, like, that's disgusting to me, but... What? <laughs> oh, it's a pressure cooker. It's a pressure cooker and a, okay. and a crock pot put together. So your food tastes moist. Sounds appetizing. Okay. Uh, I feel like... I feel like if you buy something that's advertised as like a seven in one, you've probably hit like your midlife crisis. Correct. But for appliances, that's when you've hit the point where you probably just like don't, you, you just don't have the time to cook, but you're just like, yeah, I'm going to put everything in a pot, sprinkle some Lowry's on it, <laughs> and, uh, you know. And five pepper seasoning <laughs> or 12 pepper seasoning. Five pepper Seven se- pepper <laughs> seasoning. <laughs> 99 pepper seasoning the generic all seasonings that oh, are yeah. just like yeah put this on everything and it'll taste good or something uh, yeah yeah I, two things from cooking this year, like this last year has been like instant pots and then the air fryers i'm like stop pretending like you want the heart attack just take the heart attack put it in the oil air frying sounds silly to me it's like that's called i don't know what an air fryer is I've heard of them, but it's called an oven. I've never. Re- <laughs> is that it? It's just a. Is just a bougie way of saying an oven. Yeah. Oh, it uses hot air to cook food using a convection mechanism. Right. So it's just an oven with a fan. Uh, yep, a convection oven. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, there's more to it, but silly. It's silly. But people don't listen to us for our opinions on cooking utensils. That's an Alton Brown episode. Uh, how's uh, Legacy been for you? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm like on a soft hiatus from playing Magic. Um, I haven't really enjoyed playing the game. I still like enjoy, like, reading about the game. I've been reading articles, watching streams, et cetera, et cetera, but just like actively sitting down and playing the game hasn't been uh, something that's really done it for me for a little while, so I'm taking a bit of a break from that. Um, I am working on a new article, though, so that'll be up on Patreon uh, relatively soon. My goal is to have it out by the end of the week, and... um, I don't know. Other than that, it's it's just been like keeping tabs on things. 
you know, like the Legacy Challenge was this last weekend, and it was World Belcher Appreciation Day, you know, internationally recognized holiday. Um, everybody played Belcher. Well, not everyone, but like a lot of people we know played Belcher in the Legacy Challenge, and um, you know, I the People's Cannon is out here strong. <laughs> <laughs> is so is the joke like because of all the food oko creates everybody's gonna be belching is that a i have no idea what the joke is all i know is like callum was telling people that they should play belcher um he ended up getting 12th in the challenge just echo Vion's gamble belcher um what's great is like everybody was throwing random meme cards in the sideboard so, Callum had a Rishton Brigand uh, as a callback <laughs> to uh, Pirate Stomping. And uh, Anurag had a Terminus in his sideboard. Um, you know, you got to stay true to your brand. Uh, let's see. Did Julian have a natural is... order? Oh, there's an individual Blitz Fairy who had a Tarmogoyf in their sideboard. Um Let's see here. But that's actually... Orem 67 had... Castable, right? Tarmogoy's castable. And, like, that could actually be scary. It is castable. <laughs> that that could. Uh, Orem 67 had a Arkham's Astrolabe in the sideboard that was uncastable. Um, see, that, that's dedication. Let's see what else is there. That's dedication. Uncastable. <laughs> Gotta stay married to the game. You know? Oh, gotta make him put some respect on your name. I hope Julian made the list with natural. Well, our well, I guess he's the man who took <clears throat> natural order out of elves, so maybe it would have to be like Birchlore Ranger would be his card. I don't know. Let's see, uh, Stefan Schultz, aka ELL Hunter Number One, uh, had an ill-gotten gains in his sideboard, but that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Strifo, um, Strifo could have had Dak Faden if he joined in. So Strifo, you could have you could have Dak Faden. Come on. A bomb diggity had a storm breath dragon, because uh, you know that guy loves playing like uh, Ponza and like random red stompy decks in modern. Um, also castable. So yeah, I, <laughs> also technically castable. Yeah, that would act. He should have had a. Um, that would be funny. He should have had a what is it? Blood Moon. A Cavern of Souls. Ooh. Cavern of Souls Dragon. Yeah. Just get him. Oh, miracles can't kill it. It's got pro white. It's never leaving. I guess they have terminus. Uh, terminus yeah. technically, yeah. It's still you know, if you're if you're going hard, you just got to go all the way hard. Um, what would your uh, sideboard meme card be in Belcher? Bane Slayer Angel. Our <laughs> okay, our okay. moat, moat would be awesome as well. Moat, I can dig it. Um, and yours? Don't say Delver. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, that's that's a little harder. There's a lot of random things that I would want to throw in the sideboard. I think I would put a life from the loam in the sideboard. There you go, because you know. You never know when they're going to wasteland you, you know? Right. You never know. You get back in the game. You got to be able to... Exactly. You got to be able to rebuild. Or you could go Bloodbraid Elf. And that's some shenanigans. <laughs> nah, just straight up 
Life from the Loam. We out here. <laughs> I know, but... But yeah, so... Man, like, the the one time you, like... Because is Belcher... Uh, Goblin Char... Belcher's three, right? It's three to activate. No, no, okay. Oh, that's right. It's four. It's three to activate, four to cast. So you can't cascade into it. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. It would just no. be funny to cascade into it. You could put a bit a bit blast in the sideboard. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you can burning wish. <laughs> All right, now we're done. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, December fifteenth, official international belcher day mark it on your calendar for next year uh don't get caught lacking um, it's my brother's birthday five days after mine so it's easy for me to remember because you know he he belched out of somewhere and became my brother oh, <laughs> all right um what won the challenge yeah. elves it was a uh, newton's elves list i believe he's been working on elvish reclaimer elves just like Basically, uh, kind of what Julian did with like the Chaos Elves list, where he just found a way to make it more mid-rangey. That's pretty much what Newton is doing, uh, just in a slightly different way. He's leaning in on like Bajuka Bog and a few like a crop rotation uh, in the main, along with the Reclaimers, just giving himself like a bunch of tech lands. Uh, he recently posted a photo of himself using Gavney Township. Uh, he's you know got to get around Plague Engineer somehow. And uh, Newton's been working pretty hard on this uh, general archetype, so that's that's sweet to see it do well. And JHK is a pretty well-known elves grinder on Moto, I think. Main um, deck collector oof. Yeah, the collector oof in the main deck Ooh. is part of his like Green Sun package. Are you sure and, he uh, didn't know about Belcher Day? He just was prepared. No, he's been playing. He's been playing this for a while. Um, the oof has been in there to uh, interact with uh, what's the deck storm for the most part. Like he added it when Renan six was at its height and storm was spiking popularity. So it's a nice little toolboxy deck. Um, he also has the wildborn like... preserver that two drop from throne of Eldrain. It's at the flash. Yeah. One? That's a wolf, but and creature elf archer, riding a wolf. Whenever another non-human creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay X. If you do, put X one one counters. Okay, it seems like a fine value like card to put in your deck. Like you can keep bouncing something with um. Wirewood. What is it? Wirewood symbiote, or you can even like Quarian Ranger or whatever. Right, Dryad Arbor. Put it into play. Pay some mana. So it seems reasonable enough to just have another big thing. It's like, I don't know if it's probably better than the second scavenging is, right? Like second scoos is diminishing returns because the graveyard will be somewhat obliterated. So just having like another value to drop that becomes huge. Well, it's like, seems pretty. It's more like, I guess, like your second crater hoof or your, um, the black green elf sometimes sees play the one that's got reach basically. Um, uh, I know what you're talking about. The 3-2 that drains lives for the number of elves that you have. Yeah. Like, it's just probably just like, you know, and they used to run, like, Progenitus. This is like a two-mana version of, you know, all those cards. So you can put it on curve, or... And it's an elf for your elf count. 
and I wouldn't be shocked if part of the reason to play this was that you could like tutor it up against depths and just bounce it back to your hand with wirewood symbiote. Yeah. So like you can just you know steal a turn against merit lage maybe. Well, it does have reach. I mean, that is huge, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you can play it, block, bounce, go from there. And it's got flash. Like that's crazy. Mhm. So, I mean, and nobody's expecting a reach elf out of elves, so since there hasn't been an elf reach flash creature ever, I think. Yeah, and the rest of the top eight isn't too interesting. There are three Delver decks, which I was kind of surprised to see. Um, I haven't felt like Delver is that great, but all of these lists seem to be just like super turbo Xerox and on Dreadhorde Arcanus and Young Pyromancer, just low to the ground, uh, more aggressively built Delver shells. But the two that stuck out to me were um, H.J. Kaiser and Alakazim DK's uh, lists that were very, very similar um, that had two copies of Bedlam Reveler in them, which strikes me as a nice adjustment for the blue soup metagame, right? Like everyone is playing these grindy control decks. You haven't really seen people play... Uh, Narset, it's kind of hard to find the room. It gets checked by opposing Okos. You know, there's just a lot happening, and uh, the card isn't stellar. The Delver decks are still running like three Pyroblast effects. Everybody's running like triple Pyroblast effects. Narset loses some equity. So having something like Bedlam Reveler is pretty nice to me. And um, I, I think I like it over Gurmag. It is harder on your mana. But uh, one of the issues I was running into with Gurmag was just Brazen Borrower would happen. Yeah, and the tempo loss is terrible. <clears throat> You'd invest so many resources into the card and then it would just get bounced. So Bedlam Reveler seems like a really nice answer, right? It's like something you can play. Your opponent can't bounce it profitably unless they do so exactly the turn you play it with the trigger on the stack um so i don't know maybe that's something to go into uh or you know try out if you're playing one of these delver decks uh even blue red delver you know like what's the card uh true nemesis and all these other effects are kind of clunky and awkward and brazen not brazen borrower bedlam reveler plays better into your burn game plan so I could see that being the way Delver decks go, and uh, one of my worries with these shells is that they don't have the raw like card count to keep up with things, and Bedlam Reveler somewhat solves that. And looking at Hans's list, he has two Painful Truths and a Mystic Sanctuary in the sideboard, and the idea of like post-board against these control decks, cutting all of your wastelands, and then playing Painful Truths, and then having mixic sanctuary to buy it back is really appealing to me but i would maybe consider knight's whisper just for curve considerations um painful shoes so much mana but i guess people aren't really playing flusterstorm as much so i don't know it's hard to hard to say without giving it a shot yeah i think it's um I'm looking at his list. I like the fact that they're both blue-red, splash black, 
as opposed to blue, black, splash, red. So like their mana is actually not bad because they're they are a blue red deck. They have the fatal pushes if they have to be start black, but they can their threat density is all red. Mm-hmm. So I like th- quad Volk also right makes sense mana wise. Right. Yeah, they're they're quad Volks. Three. I I agree with you. Pain uh, painful truth seems strange over Night's Whisperer. Because they've only got 19 lands, so that's not a lot of lands. I guess they go to yeah. 20 with the Mystic Sanctuary, but I don't know. I love the idea of Well, you're cutting, you're cutting Wastelands in a lot of the matchups where Painful Truths would come in. Right. Is the thing. Like, you don't want... Like, Wasteland isn't really tapping profitably for Painful Truths, and it's not converting that much against these control decks, so... You know, you're going pretty low on land, so I'd rather have a cheaper effect to generate card advantage. And, like, three cards at three mana is good, but two cards at two mana is also probably just good enough. Especially if you have, like, Mystic Sanctuary and the like. Um, well, they probably have their Plague Engineers in there, too. Mm-hmm. So they probably can't cut the, all their Wastelands, because they're going to have some three drops. Well... If you have, like, Night's Whisper, you're hitting your land drops, right? These decks sure. have... Um, Hans had four Ponder, two Preordain, so did Anders. But, like, you have all of those. You have your Bedlam Revelers. So you've, you have six Cantrips, plus... Well, not six. You have Brainstorm as well. Um, so you have your ten Cantrips, plus Dreadhorde Arcanist. So hitting your third land drop isn't super hard, but I still kind of want a little more. I, I want like impactful things on the cheap end, especially like painful truths. You can maybe you can maybe justify boarding in like Night's Whisper as like a one of against Storm or something. But painful truths is a bit harder to actually cast and still be able to relevantly interact on a critical turn. So. Well, the biggest problem is you have to have three different colors of mana, so that mm-hmm. would probably be what would kill it for me. Like. I yeah, would probably the mana, like you, you can't just have a, a, a wasteland and two other sources because that is Night's Whisper then for three mana, so you, mm-hmm. I, you have to do it. You have to do it the other way. So Night's Whisper probably is a better card. Yeah, the leylines of the void and you know they're not something I've played in Delver Shells. I understand why people play them. Um, yeah, it looks like Hans played Surgical and Anders played Leyline. I'm more of a fan of, like, Surgical, Grafdigger's Cage, Tormod's Crypt, and these Delver Shells because, you know, you have so many cantrips and, like, your range of keepable hands against, um, like, these graveyard decks is much higher, right? So you can keep a hand that's, like, a Delver and a Force and some cantrips or whatever, or, like, Delver Days cantrip on the play against Dredge. You're probably going to keep that. And, you know, you don't necessarily need to play the game where you just mulligan to Graveyard Hate. And there are, like, a number of matchups where you don't necessarily want to mulligan to Graveyard Hate. Like, you know, like, lands can be a struggle, but just, like, mulliganing to Leyline doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. I think lands is the particular where... You can start without the graveyard hate, but then draw it and it's relevant. Where if you draw the ley line later, it's probably not going to be irrelevant. 
yeah you're never casting leyline uh i don't know it's it's not my thing i i like my graveyard i like my effects to be castable in delver so you know these lists strike me as interesting i wonder if there was any thought to playing um thought scour with bedlam reveler because like bedlam reveler plus dreadhorde arcanus is not really a combo right uh, Bethlehem Reveler doesn't exile. But Dreadhorde does. True. So, like, your Dreadhorde... I guess, I, so... Yeah, one's a lightning Like, rod. Dreadhorde and... Like, Dreadhorde and... Gurmag kind of worked against each other, but, like, your Gurmags could work off your lands and uh, creatures that were in the yard. You know, it wasn't that hard. Um, whereas... Bedlam Reveler really wants those bolts and cantrips to be in the yard to really leverage it. I th uh, I think it's the same thought that like your Arcanist is going to die and your Bedlam Reveler is going to get you to your next Arcanist. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's an, no, it's it's, an upgrade over Gurmog because at least when you draw the next Arcanist after the Reveler dies, it doesn't kill your graveyard. So... Like, I feel like it's probably fine. I don't know. I haven't tested Reveler forever. So, last time I tested it, it was really bad because Tarmogoyf was around. Makes sense. It looks like Goyf is dropping in some stock because people are moving away from rug decks. Which, you know, uh, part of that makes sense. But also part of that feels like people just diverting back to, like terrible rugless uh, or reverting back to a terrible rugless so who knows if who knows uh, I just that just stuck struck out uh, stuck out to me as like an interesting way to approach building um, a Delver deck you know so I am curious to see where these decks move forward my my main worry is just like the Skrixis list is kind of built to hit its third land drop pretty consistently. Um, needing Having a double red spell in your deck is really awkward. So maybe... I don't know. Bedlam seems great in the matchups where your mana is untouched, but in any matchup with Wasteland, it seems kind of uncastable. And I would maybe like to see some... you know... additional threat in the sideboard uh, that could be swapped out for Bedlam Reveler like in, you know in a Delver Mirror like Bedlam Reveler is not gonna be the easiest thing to cast it's yeah I like, almost would rather see the third underground sea be a Badlands even though it's always a non-bow in Delver just because mm. you can't play Fiery Islet because you can't cut you yeah. can't cut your third black source so I feel like you could play Badlands, but I mean that's a non-bow. But after playing uh, Rug Delver with the Islet, it never it it well it was only a problem once in a Great Blue Moon. So um, I think for me the issue with Badlands is less the fact that it doesn't like bounce to days and more an issue with uh, it not casting Ponder on turn one. Um, I think the best way to put Badlands is like the way Jarvis put it one time where he said it was the Schrodinger's dual land 
where like it's good if it it's the card's amazing if you can ensure that it's never in your opening hand or something like that or right like, yeah you know if you badlands is insane when you get to fetch for it when it's good but it's terrible otherwise and you don't actually want badlands as your second land drop because like you just get wastelanded off your blue mana and don't function so i don't know it's sometimes it's worth it sometimes it's not that's another one of those things that would have to get i'd have to try it to get a feel for it there's four four delver decks in this top eight actually because there was one blue red there are two blue reds and two grixes and then there was a bug deck just outside of top eight yeah um delver delver flexing its muscles yeah what worries me about these delver lists is um they kind of look like they suck against unfair decks yeah i mean the grixis ones aren't bad yeah but like normally grixis has a certain amount of main deck disruption and then you have to like supplement that post board and i guess you're leaning really hard on dreadhord arcanist um these lists kind of just look like they're built to eat people alive who are trying to play like blue soup and death and taxes you know dread of night plague engineers mystic sanctuary cold against command painful truths pyroblasts like these are just built to grind people uh into the dirt uh they remind me a lot of the construction of like a a bug delver deck right where you're just like this really kind of big grindy mid-range delver shell and i for for think four graveyard hates some red blast and all fair cards right yeah exactly so like i i find the construction interesting and i like what they've done here but i wonder how that'll pan out in the long run getting to fetch for mystic sanctuary with delver to buy back a thought seize probably helps your cop your combo matchup a lot to a degree i'd say mystic sanctuary in your days deck is probably just nuts right like the turn 13 days just like dazing spells to pick up your mystic sanctuary and then play it and like brainstorm just yeah just being able to abuse that engine and delver is probably absurd and i'm surprised some nobody thought to just like toss a mystic sanctuary in the sideboard of delver well we've had so many ups and downs and legacy and things the metagame's shifting and changing based on bands and everything else that it's hard to um actually predict it's we haven't really got to play with these cards in a stable meta right sure i know like i i think everyone talked about mystic sanctuary and delver but the conversation was very quickly meh well and then like other stuff was happening as you said right? Renan six so, like, we had um we already had our our flex lands right with the island right i trying to think islet and something else oh bog bog or caracas right 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 so i I don't think we got a chance to play with this toy and it couldn't cast running six so it didn't matter (laughs) yeah and maybe like my perception of the card is like awkward because in terms of it being utilized with days um my interactions of that were like francis playing it in miracles and i just hated it when i tried it because i just don't like days miracles uh so like it it probably just got pushed to a corner of my head in terms of something to consider i just 
you know. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I would have never considered it, but I was playing the, the rug deck. We just didn't have room. I mean, there's the rug deck was already desperate for five more cards in the 75, so let alone a land. So Right. And it, it like, I don't, <clears throat> like, this Mystic Sanctuary seems nuts for the control decks. Like I said, it, it just feels like these decks are, like, not using space as well as I'd like. You're already, like, pretty good against fair decks game one, and then post-board you're getting better against fair decks, and then uh, I wonder about your combo matchup outside of, like, Sneak and Show, right? Like, yeah, you have Triple Plier Blast, your Delver deck, you have some Surgicals, probably fine against Sneak and Show, but I guess they have, for Depths, it's just the two Brazen Borrowers, which maybe is enough. You're more likely to steal game one. I think Depths is a bad matchup, yeah. but Depths is being kept in check by all the swords the plowshares that have come back from the lady of the lake and have just come ready to take freaking lage out how many swords of plowshares are in this this challenge i mean come on (laughs) probably a million yeah i mean tundra is everywhere right yep tundra is now the uh snow land of choice pardon me i mean if you look at the if you look at the metagame it's perfect right all these snow basics tundra's back they go together somehow elves still won because nobody's playing terminus yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's interesting because like the format's been getting a lot of hate and like i kind of get why people are hating on it it's like i i hate blue soup dot format um but to a degree it also kind of feels like players aren't I, I generally hate when people make this argument of like, you guys are just complaining about the new cards and not trying to beat them. And blah, blah, blah. Like, normally that argument's really obnoxious to me. Uh, but, like, two weeks into Astrolabe, it's like, yes, you can acknowledge that Astrolabe is probably a problem and something that needs to not exist in the format. And yes, you can acknowledge that Oko is, or Veil of Summer is an obnoxious card and maybe isn't healthy for the format but like at least try first and i'm seeing been seeing a lot of defeatist attitudes and people just complaining about 2019 cards and all this other crap and it's like part of me questions if people hate 2019 cards because they're too objectively powerful or if they're just putting them in a spot where they can't play their like dorky pet decks from yesteryear that like they have to accept aren't good anymore you know it's happened like, it's happened a lot i remember standstill faded out because the miracle mechanic um and standstill's not good people that still play it i don't understand it it's not good uh nostalgia right or whatever boredom. like there's all kinds of effects that you can you can resurrect and play at your FNM, but like if you want to play a real format, you have to recognize that card power level is raising up. And I think the big thing for us is we've only traditionally before 2019 had a card a set, not had a whole influx of like four to five cards that are, you know, breaking every eternal format in half. So, well, for me, like, so 
in previous years in Legacy, kind of the litmus test of whether or not you could play a deck was how well you knew your matchups, right? You could play, I'm just going to say, a Lurin, right? You could play a Lurin and go, my deck is only okay against most of the field or blah, blah, blah. But I gain a lot of edges from people not really knowing how to play against me or me knowing the matchup better because I'm a Lurin guy and I've played the deck forever. And this year, the power level of cards we've gotten and just like how we've had to respect uh, the format as a whole or like actually adapt to things has put us in a position where you can't play your dorky pet deck. And I think that's kind of chafing really hard with a lot of the sensibilities of legacy players. Um, and I understand discussing a card objectively in terms of like health for the format but a lot of the conversations I'm seeing have this like uh, either intentional or not undertone of like please ban things until I can play my deck again and it's just like you know sometimes you gotta move on like we've all had to do it like there's a point where you there's a deck you love and you're just like I can't I can't do this anymore and uh i don't know might be might be time for a few people to to uh accept that as their fate you know i've had i've had to do it through several decks throughout my time um different versions of control decks different you know different archetypes altogether have disappeared i mean certain things you can always play like but opposition you're dead you're never going to play opposition ever again because if you play opposition well all right yeah yeah opposition did well at the most recent legacy grand prix opposition's dead it's dead yes you can't ever play against elves you, you never can beat you can, an elf deck you can you can play opposition but don't don't listen to him you can put opposition winter orb in your I've, in your uh, i've played a lot of opposition deck. you can never beat an elf deck <laughs> never look look do you like cube i love cube cube do you like having a 47 percent win rate mm -hmm. play opposition in cube live your best life nah do it take it to your legacy local fire up a magic the gathering online competitive league you know and and, and make Ruin sure somebody's day make sure and put no guys cradles allowed against me <laughs> <laughs> ruin somebody's day no but you know like that's I, I mean i love i see i like adaption for me adaption is like the key like i think uh the brazilian nationals was like a food chain deck it was just blue green food chain and uh, uh or i don't know one of them mm -hmm. no i'm pretty sure there was a food chain guy it was either blue green or bant it was i think it was just two colors and it was great it was streamlined Played some new cards. He spiced up his deck and went, you know, these Veils of Summers, Food Chain, done. Some uh, Force of Negations with my Mist Hollow Griffins, c -c -c combo, and just like, you know, rips and fools with Food Chain. Uh, even in this third place, in the this this last challenge, it was a, a Blade deck that just stole the Miracles deck and said, I'm about to take some cards out and put my Stoneforge Mystics, all three of them, in the deck and some uh a batter skull and a jitty and it's just the bant miracles deck it's the four color bant miracles 
with a blade package. That's all it is. This guy probably didn't want to stop playing blade. He's like, I played blade this long. I'm not stopping now. Well, this is someone who looks at your deck with four Arkham's Astrolabe and then looks at four Terminus and Entreat the Angels. And it's just like, why right. though? <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that happened. They were just like, I don't. I don't want to do this. This doesn't. Why though? So I mean, he was down. They just did their own right. thing. He was down to like three. He he even took did the three Oko one Jace. He's like, you know what? Elks are cool. Elks are really cool with a jitty strapped onto them. <laughs> Son, R.I.P. to my man's Jace. Um, Anurag and I, along with Eric Vergo and John Sukenek. Uh, we're doing coverage of the Brazilian Legacy Nationals. We covered the Swiss, and we're going to cover the top eight, I don't know, this week, sometime soon. Um, and there were multiple matches where the card Jace the Mind Sculptor got played. And we saw seven Jaces hit the battlefield. Steve, are you sitting down right now? Did they all lose? No, no. How's your heart doing? Is your heart okay? Alright, so seven Jaces hit the battlefield. Not one of them brainstormed. Oh! <laughs> it was just... I've never seen so many oh. Jace upticks in my life. Oh my god. It, I was hurt. Was that a Devoid I being was, helped? <laughs> no. It was... Some of it was due to time constraints. Ouch. There was like a Grixis control player who was playing very aggressively with his Jaces. And just, like, kept aggro upticking and, like, ended up losing a game that he probably couldn't have lost if he had been brainstorming. But that's anecdotal. But um, there were some times where it made sense because of the clock. And there were other times where it was just like, oh, did you know you can draw three cards? <laughs> Bruv, draw three cards, please. Please don't. No. Um, but, yeah, people have been moving away from Jace because... Uh, Turns out that card's a lot worse when Bloodbraid Elk is in the format. <laughs> oh. See, I I personally uh, went to th three Okos over and dropped a one Jace. I, I my newest list I'm working on has no Jaces, which I know is probably blasphemy, but I I won't for miracles or what deck? miracles. Uh, I don't know if you can play zero Jace. I think you like two might be the minimum for like actual miracles and if you're playing like other shells you can probably cut down to zero jace if you're playing okos and teferi i'm playing okos but and i don't teferi. think but i don't think like miracles outright can just like play zero jace that's that seems um a bit ambitious to me why we needed it traditionally because like in steering bridge and stuff right like that was the uh, need i mean it was partially jace partially is all played because it was like the premier card advantage engine of the format right. and like yeah, sure, there are other engines that you can play now, but um, I would partially just play a couple of Jaces as uh, Brainstorms 5 and 6, for the most part. They're just, like, clunky Brainstorms that can also, like, technically win you a game uh, via Ultimate, or just, like, you know, an unchecked Jace is still gonna win a game. Uh, but, I, you know, if you, like, play your jace and your opponent fights over it and you get to like reset your entreat the angels then like you're fine with you like someone going like okay oko kill your jace it's just like all right whatever put tokens on the table 
I personally am testing it. I don't know if it'll be good, but I'm testing it with that. I'm actually testing Wastelands in my Bant Splash Red deck and uh, Crucible. So, because I love Savine's Reclamation. I think the card that just surprises me how good it is is that card. I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence about it, but I've loved it. So, I'm going to test it some more. I want to give it its full paces. I don't know how to feel about the words that just came out of your oh, mouth. Oh, man, come but, on. Um, you, you know what? You got me playing that Delver deck. I got Wastelanding people. Yeah. I miss Wastelanding people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wastelanding people's a hell of a drug. So, uh, well, I don't even know if Wasteland's that good, but I just got a terrible idea. <laughs> All right, so how many colors do we need to be in? Who cares? Four. Six. Uh, actually, I just realized my idea is just the five-color aggro loan deck. But instead of Chalice the Void playing Raven's Crime and Seven's Reclamation yes. to buy back your three drop planeswalkers, yes. but <laughs> just actually playing Avagor alone is probably better. Oh, you were feeling it. I felt like this was like Palpatine in a new movie. Like I was like infecting your brain slowly. Like one minute I'm Snoke, one minute I'm Vader. <laughs> yeah, and you were falling, then it, but then you cracked. It was back. just like you know, just Chalice on one of them. You can't Veil of Summer into a chalice on one sure get wrecked nerd I mean, that's a true statement i'm not sure if it matters but um what did i so we talked about oh what did i want to tell you about did you watch Reed duke play today uh no i was at work and uh i saw his list and it was just every four color list and it seems like the only deciding factor in these lists is like do you want to play him to Tarak? if not how many veil of summer do you want to play in your main board slash also pyroblast in your main board to each so. main deck to each <laughs> I mean, reed said i got a, I got a solution for this format <laughs> we out here you ever you ever seen someone playing a basic island you're just like i'm gonna ruin this man's whole day oh. <laughs> somebody tell him before i heard him <laughs> he has four pyroblast effects post board i'm just like what <laughs> like so don't make him cry he's like people are complaining about oko i got no i got no oko problems <laughs> <laughs> he got 99 problems but an elk ain't one right yeah i mean i, I loved it i was watching him he played against um our, our boy uh Gold Ducat, Daniel Goshul, uh, GP Niagara. He he was playing DNT. Domingo Lassi, Daddy. Yeah, he uh, he got he got read game one with DNT because of uh, all those wonderful one mana effects that DNT gives to <laughs> doesn't give about. But then he got the two post board games. But the list is in the show notes. I actually uh, screenshotted it and posted it to mtg goldfish because anytime a pro plays our format i like to check it out and see what a pro thinks of it he's got an anurag das favorite savannah in his bant list so yeah these i'm fine with these lists my only issue is like i understand why you would go to supreme verdict as your sweeper but these decks have such terrible mana without astrolabe I'm just like, how do you ever cast 
Supreme Verdict. Oh my god, he has four rest in peace in his sideboard. <laughs> yes. Okay, so word on the street is some information was leaked within the um, players' championship from one player to another, and that is why Oliver Tomiko had four rest in peace to surgical it. It was a metagame call for the player's championship and not a, hey, this is a thing you should do. Uh, if you're going to take Reed Duke's list and play it, cut, like, two rest in peace for two palace, not palace shaler. Surgical. Or containment priest. Containment priest. And then get the other two slots back because he had two surgicals and four rest in pieces. Yeah, that's what Tomiko played because he found out people were going to be on uh, Hogak. Okay. Or at least that's, allegedly, that's what I heard. Or not. That's what I heard was the story. Like some information was leaked to him about Lotus Box Wing Hogak. So he had a terminus and a verdict in his sideboard. So he was he his was an interesting list, and he sideboarded in different ways. There's actually um, a moment, a thought exercise during the show that you have no preparation for. He's sideboarding against Goldacott on D and T. He elects to leave in Force of Negation and Spell Pierce. And relegates Palace Jailer to the sideboard. He brings in Gideon, but Palace Jailer's a no-no. And I... So, I was actually talking to men about this. Um, the D&T list right now, their post-board configuration, uh, or to my understanding, uh, facilitates you keeping in some number of force negations uh, i don't know about spell pierce he has one force negation one spell pierce yeah. so it's a little better but kind of the outlook right now is like the only way they beat you is if they cataclysm or get in you so just stay protected uh, i understand not having palace jailer in your deck um there's a lot of ways that could go wrong for you that was his and worry. You don't necessarily need to open yourself up to that with, like, Okos and Jaces. Um, one mentor strikes me as odd. When I see these, like, super grindy lists and I don't see, like, a copy of Entreat the Angels, like, I feel like you're losing a lot of equity. Like, you really want something to go over the top, you know? So this list like, was modified because he didn't have Teferis. So that's he fine, flipped some things around because of that. That doesn't change the fact that like you know you should probably play three monastery mentors in your deck uh you know i get okay so like i get to fairy makes um not having to fairy makes mentor worse because you don't get to set up those lines where like you play your to fairy and then you play your mentor and then you get, immediately get your trigger uh on well play to fairy on one turn mentor plus something on the next turn and then like as the game uh goes on you know, like you, you you force your opponent to like tap it on their turn to a answer your monastery mentor and go from there. So I I don't know. I'd rather see like a one of entreat or more mentors. But this list is obviously experimental. Uh, you can you obviously don't need to run six graveyard hate effects unless you're super worried about specific decks, and that opens up some sideboard space and potentially main board space i don't know if you need double pyroblast double veil in the main deck oh he you know? played against grixis oh i felt bad for oh. that guy <laughs> nah that guy nah. that guy showed up to play magic he played against grixis and Sultai. He he's 3-0 and he shut the league off so 
By the time so people ship keep... this episode, it's probably like five days in the past. Go check out Reed Duke. He played some Legacy. He destroyed some blue decks. And he, you know, everyone complaining about the Oko format. Wait. Watch this guy. You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me that the deck with a, the one of the cleanest, well, the cleanest one for one in blue mirrors and then a stack of two for ones uh, destroyed blue <laughs> Four pyroblasts, three veil of summer post forward. I oh he uh poor uh poor Daniel had to attack with his Gideon into the swords to plowshares <laughs> because there was a uh there was a there was a palace jailer fight and uh monarch was being traded back and forth but Reed was doing well with the monarch so get him a body bag oh it was horrible I felt so bad he had a he had to animate Gideon to try to get the monarch back and i was just like no daniel you mm. don't know Betty. <laughs> that's never where you want to be but you know it happens oh yeah um, well it's one of those things i think palace jailer's bad in dnt anyways because i feel like miracles always gets mm. the, the monarch but whatever i think um i think it's less good against like if your opponent's on a bunch of ice fang quaddles you probably don't want uh palace jailer because it's a little sneaky snake, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. It's it's uh it's something else. I I just enjoy. I watch him and uh, Andrew Cuneo, and you know it, this is their off time of the year, so uh, you get you get an opportunity to watch these uh, pros play Legacy, and I think that's a neat time. So. Was Cuneo playing Legacy? I know he usually does like cube. No, he's playing Legacy. Where he'll just oh, interesting. He played so anytime there's a big event, he goes and look at looks at the decks and tries to play them. So like right after the GP, he played uh, the five color list and the Bant four color miracles, and then after this players thing, he was playing. Um, I think he was playing like the Bant miracles as well. Okay. So, I, I I find that fun to watch the pros take a stab at our format. No, it's always interesting uh, to see those guys come back because, you know, Reed and uh, Cuneo are both legacy GP champions and have played a lot of the format. I know Reed kind of, to a degree, cut his teeth on the format uh, back in the old Star City days, so it's cool to uh, see people come back to it. But uh, what's the next thing on the docket here? You wanted to talk about Watsy's new Banhammer policy? Oh, I'm loving it. They're, <clears throat> they're tired, right? All I can picture is this. There's somebody in Wizards Department. They're like, man, I'm just tired of this Banhammer. It's heavy. We keep swinging it. It's been going back and forth. What do we do? Let's ban the ban. The ban and restricted announcements. And that's what's going to happen. No more ban and restricted scheduled announcements. Ever for like every format? Or like what's the deal? I... I because I'm not actively playing I haven't uh, I didn't care to read the article to <laughs> keep it a full stack so <clears throat> um, <clears throat> pardon me <clears throat> they uh, they are basically because so because of the the nonsense with like upcoming modern events and everything else and like you know we have a ban and restricted announcement a week before the legacy GP and we have one right before the modern GP it has caused them to stifle acting when they need to because players will be going to a big tournament so 
And then because they're scheduled, then they have to wait three more months before they act. So if there's a problem, they have to wait to act and then they have to wait three more months. So they, they, they say that this will let them be more agile by they're not going to schedule banned and uh, restricted announcements anymore. There's no. Okay. So they're going to see a problem and go, all right, we're going to take care of it instead of like seeing a problem and going like, all right, let's, let's sit on it for however many months or whatever until, you know, it's time to take care of it, I guess, which, you know, sure. I don't hate it. Um, I'm willing to give things a try. I know uh, I've seen one person with a take that this is going to lead to Magic's ban list being managed uh, pretty much like Yu-Gi-Oh's, and I don't, I don't really have an opinion on that. I I'm not completely sure with how Yu-Gi-Oh's ban list works. My understanding is like a deck becomes good, and then they basically just ban it or something, and that's kind of how they keep a sense of. Uh, progression or like format rotation i guess i'm not not 100 percent sure yeah i mean they're basically gonna do like they're gonna try to stick to mondays for the future like it will still be on a month you know if it's gonna be banned it'll be on a monday so like if there's a for- if there's a tournament the next weekend the tournament's not affected as if you didn't hear anything on monday so that's cool um but everything else is basically like you don't know when it has nothing to do when us you know right before a set or three months after a set whatever you know they've changed that so many different ways now they're just they're just letting it go you know they'll take care of it if it needs to be a problem i i personally like this i know a lot of people don't they're complaining because they want to be able to plan but i think a lot of them are financiers and they're trying to like buy and sell cards and so now they have no they have no idea there's a subculture of, of magic players that are part of the financial market and they will buy cards with the anticipation well this wasn't banned so i have like three months to buy and sell this card at least so i can invest heavily on it and now that's all gone you know now you have to take the risk just like the players who want to play with these cards do so and i'm okay with that personally yeah, I'm I'm willing to give it a shot, see how it feels. Um, <clears throat> I'd rather see it in application before making a real judgment because it's something that's a bit foreign to me. Um, I mean, how, how good would it have been for, uh, like, Deathrite Shaman if we didn't have to wait? You know, because we knew before Deathrite yeah. Shaman, right? I, th- I think that was more uh systemic issue of how wizards was managing the format right right like in renin six like if renin six was legal during death rate shaman period or like <sighs> you know if renin six was it, if you swap renin six with death rate shaman you could argue that renin six would have been in the legacy format just as long as death rate uh yeah maybe not death ray was in the format forever right. it just took people a while to catch on but <clears throat> my ultimate point is that i don't think ren and six in in legacy of yesteryear i don't think ren and six would have been addressed as quickly as it was and uh i don't know i'm i'm personally happy with this new standard of addressing problems at a faster rate as opposed to 
just letting them marinate in the format. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm all right with it. It's faster band cycles are better. I think, um, I don't know if just outright listening to the community is a good thing because like I mentioned before, people may just want the format to get nerfed back into 2016 or 15, 16 legacy or whatever. Make where, but maybe having good again, make where bear good again. <laughs> sure. I guess that's a long time, but, oh yeah, that's, that's just ignoring 10 years of magic actually. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there needs to be some sort of consulting committee or something, you know, just something the commander people, the commander people get to consult, right? Oh, but they, yeah, the they commander manage, people get to consult. They manage it. Never mind. Yeah. They, I mean, even just having like, like just having people be able to consult for like the vintage ban list or like the legacy ban list, you know, like, Narset shouldn't have been legal as long as it was or unrestricted as long as it was in vintage. You know, I think there are enough competent people within these communities who can make decisions around the ban lists that are non-biased and give solid input that they can back with a logical argument to justify making these changes um you know like i've heard a lot of people say plague engineer needs to be banned it's like is the card good yeah is it busted yeah is it a design mistake yeah legacy as a format is a design mistake right or just like a format about manipulating design mistakes and in terms of like in terms of like design mistakes in the legacy format Plague Engineer is very low on my list of things that are, like, a game over, you know? And it's, like... Is Grizzlebrand still legal? Can we still Grizzlebrand sure. on turn one? Well, I don't want to make, like, false comparisons, you know? I don't know how it's false like that if... is, though, right? So, okay, so here's the thing. All right. So, Elves. Elves has been doing well. They adapted. They just adapted their deck building. They tried new cards. They tried new methods. They they did what they could. And Elves is doing fine, even in the face of Plague Engineer. Like And so and DNT That's just the fact of the matter. Death and taxes, humans, all of these decks doing fine. But then it's like I don't know, goblins, Merfolk, maybe. Merfolk doesn't care. It, Right, so it's just like goblins not yeah. being really a coherent deck in twenty nineteen. Like, I don't know. I, I I mean I honestly think that like Plague Engineer is fine. I I honestly I mean I for me you have to like there's a list of cards that has to go before Plague Engineer is a problem for me because like a fair it's, a fair deck's not going to be able to deal with half the combo cards. Either. It's like the whole thing with true name nemesis. It's like, is losing to a true name miserable? Yes. If you're playing a fair deck and you don't, like, if you're playing a fair deck and don't have a coherent answer for true name, are you screwing up? Yes. It's like a known quantity, right? And, like, 
it's fairly it's not, I'm not going to say easy to mitigate, but it's it's a mitigatable thing if you are willing to devote some amount of deck building space. And it I don't know. I get that like it causes non-gains, but my opponent's having three mana in the game not ending on the spot right. is not going to be something that I'm ever <clears throat> going to like insanely complain about unless it's something that like really destroys games and you know I, like I said true name not necessarily fun but um, I, I'm all for it's, it it's, I, I'm all it's for a thing it. you can answer you know like if you're playing elves play more X2s you'll get around Plague Engineer if you're playing goblins um maybe consider not playing goblins uh i mean i had a conversation with someone who said the reason they don't like plague engineer is because it's like a you know it's a four for one or three for one when it hits the battlefield and i was just like what is gristlebrand because gristlebrand when it hits the battlefield is like a seven for one you know they're gonna draw seven cards and they're gonna have a stupid giant demon in play so like that I know it's a non-factor, but at the same time, it is it because like it's, you know, it's the slowest play. App. No, you don't see Ancient Tomb, Lotus Petal, Plague Engineer. There's a reason for that because that doesn't do anything, right? No, and like one of the effects of Plague Engineer that I've noticed is people playing more X twos and diversifying their creature types. Right. Plague Engineer against on human against DNT used to wreck them. Then they started playing Giver of Runes. They started playing more Revokers again. They started playing Sarah. Um, Avengers, they started playing... Mirren Crusaders. Uh, exactly, Mirren Crusaders. Like, people were just like, this is a thing that, you know, is unpleasant for my deck to play against. What can I do to either answer it or mitigate it? And people have done as such. And, uh... I don't know. I... I, I just feel like the complaints about specifically Plague Engineer just people not accepting that their decks aren't really that playable and i mean you know collector oof itself you think people would complain about that more but they're they're not those fair decks aren't going to worry about that but what about like a storm deck they don't want collect a no rod that beats their face or they don't want you know or the any of the artifact based decks they don't want this collector oof i mean that's probably more egregious card and it comes in on turn two a containment priest for dredge and uh reanimator they don't want you to have a rest in peace that s smashes their face or a contain whatever you want to call it a graph digger's cage i mean these are all like sure. annoying creatures that are actually cheaper this is a three mana creature that's a hate bear for your creatures i mean that's not that there, that's not that bad there's also something to like look into where like engineered plague has been an effect in legacy forever and it saw some play, right? Yeah. It, it didn't see, like, an insane amount of play, and Plague Engineer is obviously, like, seeing significantly more play than Engineered Plague did. But, like, by comparison, if you're playing, like, a mopey tribal deck and your opponent plays Plague Engineer, there's more ways to interact with it than an Engineered Plague. Right. You know? Right. So it's like, it's like, yes, it's obnoxious that it's such a ubiquitous effect amongst these black decks, but it's also something that you know is going to happen. Play more tar fires. Play more X twos. Play some path to exiles next to your plows. Play stuff. Do things. Try and deck building. You know. Yeah. I mean, I just don't. 
It's a three mana effect. If 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 I could pick, I would want Watsi to make more three mana effects that are powerful. Because at least it's a three mana effect. You know, these these effects like Ren and Six, these Veil of Summer, Astrolabe, they're one and twos. And that's like warping a format, you know. Oko. Oko's not interesting. You know, Oko's not broken, but it's also not interesting. I mean it's hard to kill it. It goes to six loyalty. You have to play two psychotic red blasts in your main deck. You know, sure. Like, uh, with, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I've talked about this with other people. Like, I feel like Oka would be fine without Astrolabe and Veil. Yeah, we've talked about it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. saying, what I'm saying is, I don't even mind. What I mind is Oka is hard to deal with. What I'm saying is, like, I'm okay with these three mana effects because they're not they're three mana. Like that's Oko. Oko's hard to deal with via combat, right? But when you make people focus their mana and you don't give them like one mana, make your stuff hexproof draw card, you open up a lot of angles of interaction. You know, council's judgment becomes a more playable effect or it becomes a much necessary, more necessary effect because you can't just play your own Oko's to pressure other planeswalkers. Right. Right. No, I'm Uh, pyroblast, abrupt decay, assassin trophy. Like, with the tools to answer Oko in the format, the, the issue is just like the current constraints of deck building either make some of them unplayable based on their color or their like CMC, right? More or less. I guess like, what I'm trying to counsel say. Judgment. I'm okay with. I'm even okay with Oko. Like I'm okay with these three mana effects because I don't feel like they're as game breaking as like traditional things or red and because red and six was broken like i feel like what you're saying is like you'll take any three mana effect that like lets you still have some shot of playing a game as opposed to like a show and tell or like you know like you said red and, and six, six where right. there are a lot of games that functionally just ended as that card came down because your opponent couldn't necessarily fight out from under right it. well red and six or even you know uh i i honestly think astrolabe is I'm, I'm getting to the point where I hate it. Um, but I can deal with that because it doesn't kill me. But Veil of Summer, you know, we don't want to... We're, we're, well, we're different on this. But, like, you know, it's like an annoying card. There's are these effects that are just, like, so cheap. If it's expensive, we can... I think we can deal with it. I think we have enough tools in the legacy format to deal with slow effects. You know? I, I just hate Astrolabe because I think that there should be an opportunity cost inherent within deck building and like opportunity costs and comes in different ways like cmc you know like how narrow an effect is whatever and one of those costs that's built into the game is like the color pie and like the importance of you know mana and i think cards like astrolabe death rate shaman etc which are like these either easy to just splash or like easy to build your deck around effects that make there be like functionally no opportunity cost to playing colors or like multiple you know an excessive number of colors are i don't know they they clash with like my i the way i look at magic but i also think it like makes the game worse it's you know 
players are expressing disgust in the fact that everybody is just playing four color soup because those games aren't interesting, you know, and like those games go from like not interesting to even less interesting when it's just like, am I supposed to let my opponent's Oka resolve so I can pyroblast it after it resolves so that the, I can't get Veil of Summer? Like, yeah, it's, you know, these sort of dynamics where the games turn into just four or five color haymakers as opposed to what people have traditionally liked with Legacy, where it's just mostly gaining incremental advantages, which uh, I feel like we've talked about how that era of Legacy is kind of past. Uh, you can still somewhat do that, but it's not It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be like, you know, the olden days where everybody's deck kind of sucked. I think, I think, the, I think snowballing has become kind of the thing to do because the effects are so powerful and build momentum and build momentum and build momentum and build momentum and it's not about how can i eke percentages out of my slightly less powerful cards to get there you know i i want to believe that you can caracas venzer again but it's not happening that's never happening right, right. so caracas venzer like even when it was good it was arguably just bad and it was just like, since these Divining Top is so good that you can get away with like playing this million mana combo that, you know, it was specifically good against like two decks. Just like, you know, like Caracas Venture stopped being a relevant thing when people realized you could just play Predicted Miracles. And then it was, you know, like you and I did random stress tests on the Miracles deck shell and... Like, the moment when I was just like, oh, it doesn't matter what you put in this deck shell, you can do anything, was when you killed me with Burning Wish for Approach of the Second Sons. It was just like, all right, doesn't matter what you do. So, Krakas Vents are being playable. It isn't really indicative of anything, but Miracles well, being busted. Well, I was trying to say, like, top. like, the percentages of those, like, these, like, you know, like, V-Clicks. V-Click was a very much prevalent card. But now V-Click is unplayable almost because it's it gives you percentage points, but it's not that powerful. You know, it's well, on average it does a couple average things. You could... Sure, like V-Click was played up until like halfway through this year yeah. when deck building space kind of just got occupied by other things. Yeah. I, I think there's and... just more powerful snowball effects because I think the last year has been snowballs, right? Like every, the Delver decks, ever since the Delver stopped being tempo decks and they became like, it, I guess it was Grixis Delver first. Because Grixis Delver was the first snowball deck, I would say. Uh, Bug Delver before it, right? I don't think it was ever tier one-ish. It wasn't tier one-ish, but it kind of set that precedent of like just being a forward momentum, resource grindy, like Delver shell. That's all that deck was at the core it, the only thing holding it back was just like it's dorky threat suite of like tombstalker and dark confidant and then like not having real reach and then like people just like played grixis delver and they were just like oh yeah so young pyromancer blinks like half the format and then death right shaman beats people's heads in and then uh you ever cast dig through time <laughs> yeah let's let's do that so yeah i think grixis delver was the big the Deathrite Grixis Delver was the big first snowball deck because it would just like 
it would set up shop with some small stuff and then it would just start applying some headway pressure and just start steamrolling and steamrolling and while you're dealing with it stuff i'm gonna disagree with you there i think bug was i think the death rate shaman into like him to truck then play delver oh god game plan is like that's like the definition of snowball right i guess like turn one man accelerant like i it, you could argue that any deck with death rate shaman was doing that because i was gonna say like, like shardless agent the shardless bug deck did that probably better than all the other decks and that's i hate to ever recommend that deck uh, oh yeah i i mean i guess it did for like a minute and then people realized that like grixis delver was basically doing the same thing as every other death rate shaman deck but way more efficient right. so like I, I wouldn't say that Grixis Delver was the first snowball-y deck, but I will concede that it was, like, the the best one out of that era, which, like, isn't really a hot take or anything, right? Right, but I'm saying, like, that was the first tier one snowball deck. And then I think from then on, we've because we've wanted that that deck to be back, and we've been gravitating and building decks that are basically very similar you know, like is the the Rug Delver deck was just a snowball deck, the Red and Six Rug Delver deck. Yeah, of course. It's it's basically just been a matter of like picking disruption that best assaults the format, and like Rug Delver was this anomaly again, where like Tar- Red and Six was really good, so and Tarmogoyf has always been good. It just hasn't had a good home, so like everything just fell into place for Rug to be the like de facto delver deck when basically in any other situation black delver is going to be you know the go-to delver shell because thoughtseize plus or thoughtseize plays well with delver of secrets you know mm-hmm. like it's the literal definition of like pressure plus disruption like thoughtseize into delver of secrets plus wasteland is going to take you real far well in these new four five colored monstrosity nonsense decks they're the definition of like snowball like they 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 manage to stabilize and then they just like they start gaining more cards on you getting more cards on you getting more cards on you and then you just all of a sudden you're top decking and you're like how many cards in here and they're like six it's like what six (laughs) isn't that every like two for one base control deck that's ever existed in legacy i feel like like miracles when the, the predict miracles the, well i'm sorry the counterbalance era or like the like the pre-era to, to predict like the first the first iterations of like miracles were like either dorky events or shenanigans and then it got to like the first iteration of like four ponder miracles which would slowly grind you down on cards and then people just put predict in the deck and it was just like all right predict snap predict cast terminus or something do some stuff hit a milli rock uh how many cards you got Oh, you're dead? Anyway, so entreat the angels or Jace or do literally anything, you're dead. But these new the new ones they're their AKs and their predicts are attacking you. Cause they're these snakes and stricks. Like they're actually smashing your face. Even though it's like one at a time, it doesn't matter because they don't go away. They keep coming back and they just keep hitting you. Like Reed just kept putting snakes into play. Like his opponents would have to spend cards on them and kill them, which was even more insulting. Because it was like an AK thought seized you and then smashed you for one. <laughs> yeah, the control decks now have like an inherent tempo plan built in. Yeah. I mean, that's the it's, card. It's That card's like, that and Strix are like having the heyday. 
And like, like three months ago, we hated Strix. If we want to keep it real, like these decks aren't really control. They're just like non-black mid-range right. just because black sucks so much. But you can play everything else and do fine. Yeah, the the one thing about Veil, about me wanting Veil gone and why I'm okay with Veil being in the format is because the Hymn to Turok version of these decks would be smashing our faces. Like a Sultai version would just be smashing our ever-loving faces if Veil was gone, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, potentially fine if you do the whole, like, get rid of Veil Astrolabe and then you force people into playing bug and like you you force people into actually picking colors and then it just becomes like bug versus blurry red again and it's, it just is the same dynamic like one side has him to Turok and the other side's gonna have flusterstorm and pyroblast and you're gonna be forced to instead of playing like a bunch of dorky snakes and you won't have access to okos on the blue eye red side you'll have accumulated knowledge or predict or you know your arbitrary two for one so it would allow it, it, it would allow the the depth decks to come back too, because those are gone, right now. Yeah, it's hard to really justify playing depths when, like, every one of these tundra control decks has like four flying blockers, some number of Teferi, some number of Oko, and then like Plow and Celestial Purge, and <laughs> you know, it's just like, all right. Right. peace i'm out <laughs> yeah ship me one of them uh astrolabe decks please <laughs> exactly like negator 77 isn't even like playing legacy right now just like checked out because he's like so not interested well even the delver decks got brazen borrow right so that's yeah, like ev <laughs> every everybody's got so many tools now and it's like so much easier like before Endelver was like, do I really have to devote these slots to depths? And now it's just like, I guess I'll play this 3-1 thing. It's like not amazing, but is he, it does just enough. Is he playing Pioneer? Uh, I don't know. He's probably just playing his guitar. Because <laughs> at least in Pioneer, he doesn't have to play against Oko anymore. Yeah, that's not a shock. I feel like at this point, they're just like ganking Oko out of formats just to not have to deal with things um the nexus ban as opposed to dig through time uh you know everybody's stating their collective disbelief that they would ban nexus over dig and it's like all right well one of these things is probably a ban for tournament reasons and the other one is like people like playing with dig through time and fetch lands don't exist in this format so the card's power level is somewhere in between where it was in modern and standard when it was legal in both of those formats and like it was better in standard you know uh yeah it's, it's a for slower format well they had to, i think like, they had fetch lines at one point they sure they had fetch lines as yeah, well the, con but they, like, the cons the cons block yeah so like yeah you well what i'm saying is like so you're saying it was better in its standard format relative to pioneer, pioneer. Yeah, it's it's not even okay. good in pioneer like so except uh, for the nexus deck sure nexus was the only deck that abused it and like the next best dig through time deck was blue white control right. um but then you're like playing sensors and um castaway and or whatever cat there's like too many cast uh, cards in the last people year. are just playing like two digs which is fine it's like well i'm talking where what i'm interested in seeing is like 
with all of these other decks getting ganked out of the format, Mono Black got nerfed and uh, Nexus got wrecked. I'm curious to see what people do with Treasure Cruise and Dig in terms of just outright trying to abuse those cards. I get that there are going to be people who are going to play those cards, but I want to see what people do to abuse them, and that's basically what this Pro Tour is going to be decided by. I think, um, so like for me, like like the blue-white decks are playing all the cycling cards to, to get their dig through times online, which I feel like is... I don't actually care about their dig through times because they're playing the cycling cards. Like if you dig into cast away or cast whatever it is, cast out and um, hieroglyphic illumination, like that's cool, but those are like expensive cards, right? Like you're not dig. Uh, the cycling spells just like help consistency so much, right? So like you don't really care about them being technically four mana because they serve a function like the blue white control removal suite is kind of garbage correct so i mean it's all four mana <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's like you have seal away and some azorius charms it's it's not really that good so you're gonna take what you can get yeah i i really i mean i really like um them not taking dig i don't think dig is actually a problem the only deck that might abuse like those two is like the kethis deck but the kethis deck is kind of lost and some of the kethis deck are playing um niv visit as their draw spell anyways because niv Mizzet reborn buys back like everything the kethis deck plays anyways because they play like teferis and they play kethis they play all the color combinations anyways so the niv Mizzet reborn draws cards so like you know i don't think it matters like i personally think nexus was correct just because the deck is miserable to play against like it's not fun like once they start going off you have to sit there it's like playing against high tide but but high tide was only played by like three people and a thousand people versus now you're playing against high tide and three out of ten are playing it and that would be miserable right sure yeah it's not it's not a reasonable process and it's not like if you're going into a paper tournament or just any tournament you don't want they already had nexus standard they already know what what that does to games right right they they already have data so may as well just get rid of it when it pops up as being one of the better things because it's like why why sit there and make people waste so much time and go through what they've already experienced when you can just not well they weren't trying to win either they're just playing like one brazen borrower and one lumbering falls that's their win cons so they're just you know looping you and trying to beat you with sometimes they play one torrential gear hulk i tip my hat to those people they tried at least <laughs> the, the gear hulk wasn't that great when i tried it it was like just an extra dig through time which i found brazen borrower to be better just because it was it being cheaper right. made it so much easier to just like slide it into turn sequences and actually get it down right but i don't know we'll see how the format pans out i'm sure people are gonna be playing blue white and Topher won the Pioneer Challenge with uh, Blue Red Phoenix yeah. with Young Pyromancers instead of Thing in the Ice. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap all this up. Uh, last week, you know, me, Anrag, Eric, and John uh, did coverage of the Swiss for Brazilian Nationals. And uh, 
this was a legacy tournament and we should be covering the top eight within the next week or so or sometime soon we'll figure that out so be on the lookout for that it'll be on twitch.tv backslash onzi 104 that's a-n-z-i 104 uh shout out to our new patrons bryce and jesse d and then as always you can find us on twitter patreon etc uh gmail at respective website backslash thirst for cast and that'll have uh, all of the links to my personal twitter steve's personal twitter and then elizabeth's our editor's twitter so uh yeah thanks for listening uh see you next week see you next week man <laughs>